So uh, we want to be real clear about something before we get started, and that is that Harley and I are far, 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 far from hostage relationship experts. We are not experts. In fact, we ourselves have found ourselves in the midst of hostage situations many, many times. So uh, please understand, we're not experts. We are simply trying as best we can to accurately teach some things that we have been learning from experts ourselves. Yeah. We're actually just trying to accurately teach that. And, and one of the things that we've talked about a lot over the course of the first few weeks of this series is how our problem with hostage relationships really, it doesn't revolve around my happiness. It really, we're not talking about our happiness. We're more focusing on staying about God's mission for our lives. And we talked about the first week how really we can break down what that mission is very simply. If we, you know, there's a lot of missions, obviously. We don't mean it's simple, but we can point at two things specifically from Scripture and say, without a doubt, if you're a follower of Jesus, you fall in this mission. And those are seeking God, number one, and number two, passing on what we have discovered and what we have found, passing it on to trustworthy people. So those two things we know are our mission in our life if we're a follower of Christ. And when someone comes along in our day-to-day, -day, in our week, in our month, someone comes along and tries to really take us off point, take us off our mission, then it's fair to say that, Houston, we have a problem. We've got an issue. Anything that's going to compromise our mission is a problem. And we talked about in the first week how uh, we need to eliminate the different uh, hostage negotiation tactics that we have used in our past, get rid of them. We gave you a list of 10, uh, 10 very good ones. We talked about how we need to eliminate those. And then in week two, we kind of added to that, and we said, now that you've eliminated these hostage negotiation tactics from your toolbox, here's three more tools. Here's three good, solid negotiating tactics that you can use that can make an impact. And we talked some about boundaries. Uh, we talked some about how we can have boundaries in our life. And we have talked about how, um, you know, how that works. And now, though, we're going to kind of shift a little bit. And we're going to talk about when boundaries just aren't working. What do we do then? Yeah, and you know, we're not talking about someone who just simply bugs you or they bother you, they irritate you, maybe they rub you the wrong way. No, we're talking about someone who really wants to control us. They are not following their God-given mission. We have become their mission, and they are fighting for control over our lives, and they're fighting for control over our minds. They want to control what we even think about during the day by giving us many opportunities to think about them. And so we're going to look at somebody who has faced many hostage-taker situations. We're going to learn from them. It's in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. Let me give you a 10-second backstory to what's going on here. Um, about 500 years before Jesus was born, and that's where we are in the Old Covenant, uh, Israel has been conquered by another nation. Uh, the temple has been destroyed. The city walls have been destroyed, and they remain destroyed for 120 years until God puts this guy named Nehemiah on a new mission to go and rebuild the walls. Now, this foreign king amazingly gives him permission to do that. So Nehemiah leaves the presence of the king. He heads to Israel, to Jerusalem, where there's a handful of people, and they begin to rebuild the wall. Now, as soon as the building begins, and... Uh, 
almost immediately, the enemies of Nehemiah, the enemies of God, those that would become hostage takers in his life, begin to try to take control of the situation. Okay? Now, you've probably never thought that you would be, we would be teaching from the book of Nehemiah, but this is, this is great, great stuff. This is an amazing story, and it's really more than a story. This is history. This actually happened. Uh, we are going to be reading from a first-hand primary account. This is Nehemiah telling us what he experienced. 500 years before the birth of Christ. And so this is not just uh, biblical history. This isn't something you can only read about in the Bible. You can read about this in any history textbook. This, this is a uh, historical event. And so as we jump into Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 19, uh, we read again, starting in 19, But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of our plans, so this is Nehemiah speaking, they scoffed contemptuously, What are you doing? Why are you rebelling against the king, they ask. Um, so these individuals, and we're going to hear a lot about Sanballat. His name's going to come, come through. He's kind of the, the lead dog here in this. And they, they mock Nehemiah. And they really, they make fun of him. So that was the first way that these hostage takers tried to get involved and tried to knock Nehemiah and his followers off mission. They just start by making fun and by mocking. And... We're going to find out that the wall continues to go up. Nehemiah pays no heed. He ignores them, and he keeps about the business that God has given him. The, the, the wall continues to go up, and they don't back down. They're going to, as we see throughout these scriptures, they're going to begin increasing their resistance, and they're going to begin making threats. And they're making plans to take Nehemiah and his, and his uh, followers hostage before they could finish the wall. Now, walls, they're here for protection. Anytime that you go back into the Old Covenant especially, if a city didn't have walls, that city had problems. And at this time, Jerusalem doesn't have a wall, and Nehemiah, through God's leadership, is trying to fix that because walls are for protection. Walls are for boundaries. Walls say, stop, no more. So a big point, and, and we're going to have several big points yeah. that are going to come up uh, here and here and oh, throughout this teaching, and you're probably not going. They're going to be pretty long, and so you're really not going to have time to write all of these big points down. But what we would encourage you to do is, when the big points come up on the screen, maybe just take your phone out and take a picture, uh, because again, you're not going to have time to write them down because they're pretty long. But it'd be a great thing maybe for you to take a picture of the screen to kind of keep up with these. So our first big point that we have this morning is. About boundaries. It's about walls. When we set up boundaries against our, our hostage takers to protect us from, ta from that hostage taking behavior, the hostage takers are going to do everything that they possibly can to break the walls down. Everything that they possibly can. They don't want you to be protected. They want free access to control you. And then as we continue on and we read more about what Nehemiah says, Nehemiah chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 2, and then we're going to go all the way through verse 12. This is what Nehemiah uh, says that his experience was. So Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ona. But I realized they were plotting to harm me. You know, hostage takers do not always look like a hostage taker. Uh, they can sound 
very reasonable. I mean, meeting with someone in this situation to Nehemiah, it sounded reasonable, right? It sounded that way. I mean, after all, if we're Christ followers for us, we're, we're called to reach out and to love people, right? So what could be wrong with getting together with this person for a chat? But here was his reply in verse 3. So I replied by sending this message to them. I'm engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come meet with you? Now, that sounds a little cold, but Nehemiah, he saw through what they were trying to do, and he refused to meet with them. And here is something we have to learn. It is so difficult. It is okay to not meet. It's okay. A hostage taker rarely, though, takes no for an answer. They know that the more they ask, the harder it is for me and for you to say no. And here's what happened for Nehemiah, verse 4. Four times they sent the same message, but he was strong. Each time he said, I gave them the same reply. Here's another big point. Take a picture of this one too. Here it is. You don't have to give the hostage taker your time. You don't have to. You don't have to give them your mind. You can actually walk away from them. Now, we're going to see Nehemiah do that many times throughout our scriptures that we're reading this morning. There's a lot of examples of where Nehemiah just said, eh, don't have time. Got to go to work. Got a mission. Got to do it. But it's not just Nehemiah. If we look in the New Covenant, we're going to find out that Jesus did this many, many times as well. If we look through the New Covenant, we're going to see how many times Jesus actually walked away from people. And we want to be clear, he didn't just walk away from everybody at all. It was from people that were trying to take him hostage away from his mission, away from his purpose. We're also going to see in the New Covenant, if we look at Jesus' life, how many times Jesus actually let people walk away from him. And you can't find anywhere in the New Covenant where he chased after them. He let them go. He just let them walk away. Jesus actually commands us that a person who is determined to be someone who sets them up against God and they refuse to seek God and they refuse to change, uh, Jesus actually commands us that it's okay to walk away. It's okay. It's okay not to argue with that person. Uh, it's okay not to battle to change that person's mind. It's okay. In fact, we have Scripture to back that up. Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. These are the words of Jesus. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Uh, that's, that is huge. Jesus is saying, if this person refuses to seek God, if they set themselves up strong against God and they reject Him, Jesus is saying, don't engage them. Don't argue with them. Simply walk away. Not because you feel superior. No, no, no. That would be a sin. Not because I'm looking down on them. That would be a sin. It's because they are not looking for God at all. They've really become their own God. This is enormous. For some of us today, this is all you need to hear. If Jesus did not change every life 
who he came into contact with. I am foolish and I am arrogant to think that I can. It is entirely possible for someone to be so anti-God that they become what Jesus is talking about in that verse that Cole read. It is so possible that they can become that, that we are then to walk away from them and not engage them any longer. And when someone gets to that point, only a direct act from God can soften their heart, not me. And we, we see that with the Apostle Paul even. When it's at that point, trying to hang around and, and be nice to them to convince them, it's not going to work. Uh, my best arguments won't work. My best answers to them about creation and the Bible and, and my best explanations of the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, they won't work. Apologizing for every Christian who has ever hurt them or offended them, it won't work. Why? Because they have developed a toxic heart that wants to control people and hold them hostage, and hurt people. They don't have a heart that wants to find Jesus, one who simply irritates is the truth. Now again, we're not talking about someone who simply irritates me, someone that you just don't like. We're talking about someone who you have already used all of the things we suggested in week one where we said eliminate these tools. And you've already used all the healthy tools that we said, hey, use these. But this person still refuses to even explore seeking Jesus. And they refuse to stop hurting and holding you hostage. And this person won't stop until they have you or your thoughts under their control. And so in this scenario with Nehemiah, first we saw a reasonable meeting request. But then the pressure increased as the pressure was repeated. Verse 5, the fifth time, the fifth time, Sanballat's servant came with an open letter in his hand. Now, there's a lot of significance in that because... The servant came with a letter that was open. It wasn't sealed. And that was very contrary to that day. Uh, if there was going to be a letter with any type of uh, personal information in it, it was going to be sealed. Uh, so no one but the intended reader of that letter could read it. So if it would have been sealed, no one but Nehemiah would have had the opportunity to read it. That's the custom. But this letter was different. It was open. And it was sent open for a very specific purpose because Sanballat wanted everyone who came into contact with that letter to see it, to read it, and then to spread the lies everywhere that it traveled because everywhere it went, people would read it. And then those people would tell other people about it. It was almost that day in age social media. I yeah. mean, it really almost served the same purpose to get that message out as quickly as possible and then to get it to go viral throughout the region. And verse 6, and this, this is Nehemiah speaking, is what it said. And you're gonna, when you see what the letter said, you're going to understand why Sanballat wanted it to be open and he wanted these rumors and lies to be spread. There is a rumor 
among the surrounding nations, and Geshem tells me it's true. So that's the first step. There's a rumor going around about you, Nehemiah, and not only is there a rumor going around, but that guy over there, it says it's the truth. <laughs> that's the equivalent today of some people have been talking They've to been me. They've been talking to me. The silent <laughs> army has been talking. Who are the people? <laughs> Nehemiah, there's a rumor, and Geshem tells me that it's true that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that is why you're building the temple, or building the wall, I'm sorry. According to his reports, you, Nehemiah, you plan to be their king. That's the rumor. I'm just telling the story that I heard. He also reports that you have appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you. Look, when Nehemiah walks by, look, there's the king of Judah. And then... The real purpose of the letter. You can be very sure, Nehemiah, you can be very sure that this report will get back to the king. So I suggest that you come and talk to me. So he's tried threats, or excuse me, he's tried just making fun, and now he's escalated to spreading lies and rumors and the silent army, you know, peer pressure and whatnot, and now... Sanballat's making threats. If you don't do something about this, Nehemiah, the king's going to hear about it. And by the way, I have a witness. I've got a witness. The king's going to hear about it, and you're going to have problems. So the best thing that you could do, Nehemiah, is come talk to me. Or else, you've got problems. You see, the, the hostage taker, if they don't get what they want, well, then the wrong people are going to hear about it, and you're going to pay. That's That's... I mean, that's from the hostage taker's playbook. Your motives are going to be made to sound evil, Nehemiah. The hostage taker will lie to others about why you won't meet. Well, I just want to talk to him, but he won't talk to me, won't come and talk to me. They must have something that they're trying to hide, you know? Um, they'll insist that, you're stop, that you will stop what you're doing and interact with them or else you're going to pay the price. Again, Nehemiah experienced that. Come talk to me, Nehemiah. Get off your God-given mission, Nehemiah. Or else, uh, the hostage taker, just like in Nehemiah's case, will enlist others to pressure you. Again, social media does such a good job at that. Hostage takers are often great at recruiting other people to help distract you when they themselves can't distract you one-on-one. -on -one. They're great at that. Controlling you, for the hostage taker, controlling you becomes their mission. And you will absolutely, I will absolutely, or I have absolutely driven myself crazy trying to understand and trying to make sense because a hostage taker's actions and attacks just don't make sense. They're playing by a different set of rules. Nehemiah, in this instance, was motivated by love, faith, and obedience. But the hostage taker's in Nehemiah's instance, and the hostage takers for us as well, are often motivated by selfishness, hatred, and, and conflict. And we're just not going to win when trying to interact with them. Again, they're playing a very different game. We're playing checkers, and they're playing 3D chess, you know? The rules are different. Our rules and their rules simply do not match up. Now, this is how Nehemiah handled it. Now, I am not saying that I have handled it the way Nehemiah has. I'm not saying, and Harley wouldn't either. We've all failed to handle a hostage-taking situation in many instances. But Nehemiah handled it well. Verse 8, 
I replied, there's no truth in any part of your story. You're making up the whole thing. They were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So, Nehemiah says, I continued to work with even greater determination. It just made me work harder. It just made me focus that much more. It just made me stay on God's mission for my life that much more. When people distract us, when people distract you and me from our mission to God, we should simply run to God, running away from the hostage taker and running toward him. Instead of wasting time arguing with the hostage taker, instead of wasting time um, you know, listening to what they have to say, take that time and talk to God about it. Run to him. Get God's affirmation as opposed to the hostage taker's affirmation. Because their approval and praise at the end of the day is just simply not required. We have one boss, one chief, one focus, and that's pleasing him. And the hostage taker's opinion doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. The hostage taking tactics, uh, their hostage taking tactics, speaking of Nehemiah, they, they didn't work. They had done everything that they knew to do. They've made fun. They have gathered the silent army to uh, put that pressure on them. They have made threats. They have continually beat on his door and on his mind, come speak with us, come meet with us, and none of it would work. So they changed their tactics, because that's what a hostage taker will do. The hostage taker changes tactics, they switch methods, and now they actually try to be friends. Verse 10, Nehemiah says, Later I went to visit Shemaiah. Now that word is really a fancy way of saying priest or prophet. It's mentioned several times. So that's just a way of saying the priest. Um, and he said, let us meet together inside the temple of God and bolt the doors shut. Your enemies are coming to kill you tonight. Now this one's tough because the hostage taker has used someone who is in a position of authority, someone that should be in a position of uh, leadership over Nehemiah to become a hostage taker in this conflict. If Nehemiah had a listened to the priest, this guy who sounded like a friend, this person that we would have thought would have had Nehemiah and his followers' best interest in, at heart, what would have happened? He would have stopped building the wall. He would have stopped. He would have stopped his God-given mission. But, verse 11, Nehemiah says he did something different. Nehemiah says in verse 11, But I replied, Should someone in my position run from danger? Should someone in my position enter the temple to save his life? No, I won't do it. Verse 12, I realized that God had not spoken to him, but that he had uttered this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. Yeah. So Nehemiah knows that he's dealing with hostage takers. And so he chooses, I'm not going to give them any of my time. And he doesn't give them even control over his thoughts by thinking about the hostage takers all day long and what I should have said to them and what I will say to them next time. No, no, no. He just simply gives the hostage takers over to God instead of letting them control his time or his life or his thoughts. He just gives them to God. Here's what he says in verse 14 to God. He prays, God, remember 
Oh my God, all the evil things that Tobiah and Samballot have done. And remember Noadiah, the prophet, and all the prophets like her who have tried to intimidate me. So in this moment, Nehemiah doesn't slander them. No, no gossip. Uh, there's no malice on behalf of Nehemiah, just prayer. And because Nehemiah did not give in to these hostage takers and compromise his mission, he was able to complete his mission. And here's what he says in verse 15. So on October 2nd, the wall was finished just 52 days after we had begun. 52 days. Nehemiah stayed on task, stayed on mission, stayed focused in spite of a ton of distraction. And as a result, the mission was completed. Sometimes, most of the time, maybe all of the time, the best thing that we can do to witness to our hostage taker is simply to not leave our mission. We talked about earlier how there are times where just nothing we do works and we've got to walk away. Sometimes the best thing for us to do in walking away and in ignoring that hostage taker's pleas for our attention and pleas to take us off mission is simply to stay on mission and to get the job done that God has given us. Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 16 pretty much explains how that worked in his experience. This is what Nehemiah said. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of God. And so because Nehemiah stayed on mission in spite of all of this distraction that he had been experiencing primarily from Sanballat and his buddies, his cronies, all of the nations in that area were now frightened, humiliated, and more important, they recognized that this God that Nehemiah is following, there's something different about this cat. You know, there's something different about this guy because he stayed on mission. The best thing that we can do for our hostage taker is to refuse to be distracted and to refuse to play a game that we're not going to win anyway. Pray instead of gossip. Get your work done, the mission that God has given you. Find the trustworthy people that are in and around your life and invest in those people that God has placed in your life and allow them to invest in you. Then our hostage takers, whether they admit it or not, our hostage takers are going to see that God is my God. And they're not. They tried, and they may have even succeeded in some ways, but at the end of the day, if I stay on mission, they're going to see that my focus is on God and not on them. The best thing that we can do for a hostage taker is really to make sure that they fail in their mission to distract you from your God-given mission. So another big point, if you want to take a picture of this one, a big, big point. When a hostage taker distracts you and directs your actions, reactions, and responses, and directs your thoughts, they're trying to become your God with a little g. Yeah, and so really, again, it all comes back to control. They want you or me, our lives, to be directed by and led by them. They'll even use our kindness against us because they know that we want to be nice and do the right thing. They'll use that against us. They'll, 
They'll pretend to be your friend, and if that doesn't work, then they're going to threaten, and if that doesn't work, then they'll pretend again to be a friend and trick us, and they're going to go out and get other team members, get people on their side against us, some people from work, maybe some people from your family or religious, even religious people, you know, they'll get them on their side, anyone that they can use to, to leverage against you or against me. And it's all because they are determined that eventually they will get us to do what they want. And our response needs to become the response of Nehemiah. I serve the one true God. I don't serve you. I, I'm on his mission. I'm not on your mission. I, I, you are not my God. I'm not going to give my mission over to you. And because of this, I can't give my time over to you, and I'm not going to give my mind over to you. Here's another big point for you. Two big points, actually. The first one is this. Here's two of these two responses that we can have that we've learned from Nehemiah. Here's one. Praying to God rather than interacting um, with them or interacting with their attacks. Going to God in prayer. Secondly, we need to learn meekness. We're not talking about going at them with guns blazing. We're talking about meekness. And that's partially also a, a spiritual state where we are not motivated by other people's praises and we're not motivated nor by their attacks. And that's an important place to get to. And the result, at least in Nehemiah's case, 500 years before the birth of Christ, the result, the wall was completed. 52 days. They knocked it out in 52 days. And, and the wall around the city had been completed. And all of the people after that, if we continue reading through Nehemiah, we find out that all the people actually had a big, massive, giant worship experience as a result of that. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 6 tells us, Then Ezra praised the Lord, uh, the great God, and all the people chanted, Amen, Amen, as they lifted their hands. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Instead of living to make a hostage-taker hostage happy, which is what we've all been guilty of. Harley has been guilty of it. I've been guilty of it. I lived a big chunk of my 2019 in a hostage-taking situation, trying to make my hostage-takers happy. Instead of living to make the hostage-taker happy, live to invest in trustworthy people and then, through that, lead them to serve and to worship God. Yeah, and that's exactly what Nehemiah did. Cole's going to be making his way back to the drums because we're bringing this plane in for a landing. Nehemiah was not distracted. He stayed on his mission. He didn't allow the hostage takers to take him off mission or to slow him down or to stop him. And when he finished, Nehemiah was then on to another God-given mission right there in Israel. Now, Nehemiah ends this autobiography. He ends this book with a statement and he's basically ending this historical story. 
He's, and this is all we know about the life of Nehemiah. This last thing that we read, this is it. That's the end. We don't know more. But here is how he wanted to end what we knew about him. We find it in the very last words of this book, Nehemiah chapter 13. Here's what he said, and it's a prayer to God. Remember this in my favor, O my God. We will live our best lives possible when we learn to care more about what God thinks about us than our hostage taker's view of us. When we learn to care more about what God says about us than what our hostage takers are out there saying about us to other people. We have one God. And that is not just a little God. We have the creator God. And it is worshiping him that we're after. You see, if we stop, we're going to begin worshiping these idols all around us. These little gods. These little G gods who are trying to distract us and stop us and direct us. If we leave our mission, we're going to be worshiping them. So this is where it all comes down to today. We're asking you this. Will you simply... Listen to this again. As we said last week, it's not because Cole and I are so great at presenting this information. No, no, no. It is simply because there is a lot of information that we need to sink very deeply into our hearts. So will you listen to this again? It's not on Facebook Live. We'll have it uploaded to SoundCloud. Will you listen again? And as you do this time, even take notes, write down some things that you're like, oh, i got to remember this, I need to remember this. And then as you listen to it, ask God this. Say, Jesus, I need your wisdom. And then ask, what do you want me to do with what I've heard? Ask him that. And here's the last thing we're asking for you this week. Will you finish that book we talked about last week? And if you haven't started it, will you start it? If you've started it, will you finish it? The Boundaries book. If you're not sure what that is, look at that digital online worship guide. I've got links at the bottom of that worship guide online. You just click it. If you can't find it, holler at me, and I'll send you a link. May we, in our lives, be able to say in our hostage taking relationships where they are trying their best to control us and control what we think about. May we be able to say to God, remember this in my favor, oh my God. And we will live our best lives when we learn to care more about what God thinks of us than what our hostage taker thinks of us when we learn to care more about what God says of us than what our hostage taker is saying about us to everyone else. We're getting ready to sing a song as a prayer. And as we sing this song together, here's what I want you to be thinking about. It is this, that sometimes God 
takes care of that hostage-taking scenario, and he just takes it away, and we walk away in freedom. But sometimes, sometimes he chooses to just simply walk with us through it. But no matter what, he is our creator. He is our God. And it is what he thinks that concerns me. It is what he says that concerns me. May we be able to say that to him. May we be able to say, remember this in my favor, O oh my God. Let's sing.